mystical beings. Welcome to another episode of Mystic in the Hag. I'm Leah. And I'm Danielle. Today we'll be talking about an infamous witch or supposed witch. Today we'll be talking about Tichuba. For those of you who don't know her, Tichuba is the first person to have been accused of witchcraft during the Salem Witch Trials of 1692. So a lot of people describe Tichuba as being a black slave but it's more likely that she was an indigenous person from South America who was then transported to the Caribbean where she was then became a slave and eventually was transported to Northern United States in New England, where she became the house slave of Samuel Paris. Salem witch trials, definitely very infamous. There's a lot of myth around the Salem witch trials. Um, a lot of which continue today, especially with things like the show Salem mm-hmm. and how the Salem witch trials come up in so many movies mm-hmm. and a lot of books and everything. So while Tichuba may not be a real witch, mm-hmm. though she's definitely witchy in ways and definitely has like arcane knowledge, I would say. And she's from South America, right? You yeah. Said? And there's a lot of cultural stuff out there. Yeah. With and regards to like their ingrained beliefs. Totally. And then being in the Caribbean for a bit, she probably picked up some knowledge there as well. Yeah. And then all that combined together with Puritan iconography and Puritan ideas and everything. And just, ta-da! Witchcraft. Blew up in her face. Which sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Tichiba was the first woman to be accused of practicing witchcraft during the 1692 Salem Witch Trials. She was enslaved and owned by Samuel Paris of Danvers, Massachusetts which originally was called Salem Village. They changed their name after the witch trials to distance themselves from the debacle that was the Salem witch trials. So although her origins are debated, research has suggested that she was a South American native and sailed from Barbados to New England with Samuel Paris. Little is known regarding Tichuba's life prior to her enslavement. She became a pivotal figure in the witch trials when she confessed to witchcraft while also making claims that both Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne participated in said witchcraft. She was imprisoned and later released by Samuel Conklin, but little to nothing is known about Tichuba's life following her subsequent release. So one thing that's important to note right off the bat um, is that the first three women to be accused, so Tichuba, Sarah Good, and Sarah Osborne, is they were all very marginalized individuals not exactly the most favorite people in Salem or Salem Village. So Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne were both pretty poor. Sarah Good had, she was pregnant during the trials or she had a newborn and then her daughter Dorcas was also accused and Dorcas was like four or five at the time. She later went on um, when she was 18 or older, there were signs that she was like pretty depressed, had a lot of like PTSD from everything. Super Wait, tragic. So Dorcas was accused at a young age. Yeah. Oh my god. Like there, there was no like no limit to who could be accused. Right. And one thing that makes the Salem witch trials unique is you start. We start off with like you know a slave, um, someone who was like poor and homeless and mentally Mm -hmm. mentally ill and then just generally unliked unwanted people yeah and then um so that's kind of common in like european witch trials as well where it's just disliked people who you know maybe utter curses under their breath and don't mean anything on the fringe yeah exactly but then later on we end up having pastor and well-liked members of society being accused we have children being accused yeah it all starts with tichuba 
because, you know, being a little bit witchy, coming from traditions with divination, having picked up things in Barbados, she was kind of an easy target. Yeah, so she would teach kind of divination type games to young girls, specifically Elizabeth Paris and Abigail Williams, people who were hanging around the Paris house. So I was saying to Danielle earlier, the Salem witch trials are a rich tapestry of WTF moments and just a lot. In the 18 months that the Salem witch trials took place, a lot happened. And it's really complicated because it's easy to villainize the accusers as well, but even they have a complex history. During Puritan New England times, young girls and women in general, not exactly respected, not educated, not really given much of a firm foothold in society. Mm -hmm. So when they're being entertained by a slave and she's teaching them games that will help you divine who your husband is going to be and that kind of thing quickly turns on 180. Exactly. And with Tichva, there was like a particular moment that kind of spiraled her to be accused of witchcraft. And that was for her to support Paris's daughter, Betty, I believe. She had made a witch cake because Betty was experiencing fits and just was not well. And then Paris had found out about witch cake so the witch cake was supposed to help find out the root of what's causing Betty's fits or things that were happening for Betty or if there was another energy that was interfering with Betty and then yeah Paris found out and then Betty accused her of witchcraft because of that because of how mad basically her dad was about the situation What's interesting, though, is that I think what's unique about Tichiba's story is that because of her status of a slave, it allowed her some flexibility and freedom to get out of the witch trials, basically not dying Mm -hmm. at the hands of, like, the court system because of a couple of things. The first is, like, the fact that she did confess, although it, it did say she retracted at some point but she did confess and she did say that the devil had come to her what was interesting is that the court system believed her that 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 would be the case because she was a slave and the devil is a more powerful being because than her because she was a slave so status still played into the role of whether or not she's believable or not believable. So, like, of course she would go with the devil or she would agree with the devil because she has no power. She's just a slave. You know what I mean? And so yeah. that is the reason why she they kind of allowed her to, you know, bypass a lot of things. Second was that she was able to come up with very specific imageries and like descriptions of experiences around her experience with witchcraft and the devil, which I'm now thinking, does that have to do with her cultural ties and living in different countries, the way that they speak about different entities? Like, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the thing. Like there's so little known about her previous life and her culture and everything that anything she could talk about could just be conflated as Mm -hmm. satanic or witchcraft by someone in Puritan New England. Yeah, exactly. 
it's interesting that also the any of the information that she provided actually propelled like the whole Salem witch trial. So all the information that she brought regarding imagery is like she said talked about a tall white haired man in a dark serge coat just happened to appear. Which I mean could be a lot of people at that time. Yeah. <laughs> old white goat. Or goat. goat. That's what I keep getting, like some white, like long beard. I don't know. I'm I meant to say some old white guy wearing clothes, but it just could be a goat. But I mean, yeah. a devil goat. Whatever. It's all yeah. the same, right? So all of her specific information actually was the basis of what they decided would be considered witchcraft or not, which I found interesting because she talked about a hog a great black dog would come to her a red cat a black cat a yellow bird and hairy creature that walked on two legs that would show up to her and it's interesting because a lot of the things that she describes initially do kind of show up in other court records and other descriptions of what people when they confess to witchcraft Mm -hmm. what they saw Mm -hmm. exactly Or even what the accusers would say or describe when they were like, so-and-so came into my room and they had a blank with them. Like they would, Mm -hmm. I think one of them describes a yellow bird in the context of Sarah Osborne or Sarah Good as well. Also, there was something else that happened in her testimony, testimony. Part of what was witchcraft also interesting to me. Tichuba proved equally obliging over the next few days, blah, blah. She admitted that she had pinched victims in several households. So pinching was a part of witchcraft, which is interesting. Or they viewed as witchcraft. I think... I don't get. I think it's um, usually when that's being described, it was like they would be uh, their spiritual self as pinching people. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't like actual. I don't think so, because that's one interesting about thing about the Salem Witch Trials, is for the first while, spectral evidence was allowed. Oh, right. So, which is why the girls could fling themselves into fits and be like, so-and-so is sitting on my chest or whatever. Right. That acted as evidence until people were like, you know, I don't know if this counts. This doesn't seem like evidence. Exactly. I kind of wish more was known about Tichuba. Me too. But... Obviously, her whole life is lost to legend and time as well. What is the relationship of Sarah Goodman and Sarah Osborne to Tichuba? Like, were they pals? Were do we know? I think they were just part of the same community. So they were part of the same community. Um, not they or weren't just slaves. Just like they're um within Danvers, most of the things that most of the buildings and most of the remnants from Salem Witch Trials are kind of in the same area. Okay, so, so like they all like were the neighbors, area. lived oh, okay. close by. So I just wanted to know if they were like friends or not, and that's how though. Okay, but they you know them from. Yeah, and. I can't for life of me remember which is which, but one of the Sarahs was homeless and was a beggar, so mm-hmm. she'd go around and then if people didn't treat her kindly, she'd like mutter things under her breath, which people took as curses. Right, versus um, frustration. Yeah, so people just didn't love her. <laughs> oh my god! And Sarah, like both Sarahs may have been in a similar boat, honestly, which yeah. is maybe why I can't totally distinguish them right now. I also found that Tichuba seemed to use survival techniques within the trials as well. Yeah. To get through the process and to protect herself in some experience. And it shows just like how 
um, deeply affected or exhausting the experience is. I mean, how could it not be? The reality of court systems now, I couldn't imagine what it would be like there, where there's literally zero rules, but there's supposedly rules now, but they're not really. Anyways, I found it interesting that she talked about how she becomes, how they say she becomes blind Mm. at one period of time, and that she couldn't see, and that she... And I wonder if it, she said it because she couldn't, you know, wanted to say something to protect herself from continuing the trials because she said the devil had incapacitated her, furious that Tichuba liberally dispensed his secrets. Yeah, Tichuba, it seems like she was actually very smart about mm-hmm. how she approached everything. So Puritans, uh, their whole thing is that England wasn't religious enough for them anymore, so they moved to America. Mm-hmm. So everything is very grounded in God, Bible, and they're big fans of King James, etc., etc. So when someone confessed to witchcraft, like magistrates and people, like whoever the powers that be would see that as like obedience to God, basically, and that they would then absolve themselves of the sin of witchcraft and the crime of witchcraft. So I was telling Danielle, it's like a double-edged sword and a catch-22, where if you confess to witchcraft, you're not going to get killed, but then you as a Puritan person might live with the sin and the guilt of lying. But then if you tell the truth, that's not sinning, but everyone's convinced you're a witch because all this, quote, evidence against you, then you're going to get killed or at least imprisoned indefinitely for witchcraft. Is our political system or like better now? For- no. <laughs> it doesn't Dude, feel like, much it's better. Not. And our justice system is no justice. So there we go. We yeah. know that for sure. It's actually one thing I think about a lot. So The Crucible, the play, was written during the McCarthy era and was a metaphor for the communist witch hunt. Which yeah. Witch hunts. So I constantly... Witch cunt, sorry. <laughs> Mood. <laughs> yeah, so like I'm constantly looking at things happening in the world today yeah. and looking back at the witch trials. And I mean, we have certain political beings calling what's happening to them a witch hunt, which it's clearly not. Mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah, it's weird and depressing how little some things change. Mm-hmm especially in terms of how we see innocence or lack thereof. Mm -hmm. And same with also the way that the jailing system is like back then versus also now in specifically the U.S. Can't talk about other countries because I don't know their systems the Mm -hmm. same. But I found it really interesting that you said that if you are found guilty, then it's up to you to pay for your jailing, like basically your sentence. Yeah. And that if you were to found, be found guilty and you were sentenced to death, that you would have to pay for your hanging. And now I think about this connection to now. The fact is that there are private... U.S. jail systems currently that people have to pay for themselves, that they have to use now in the U.S. There's people who are being forced into labor and it's our new slaves right now. The more I like think about it, I'm like, oh shit, we haven't changed at all in the way that we believe in our justice systems and also the way that we treat people who are incarcerated. 
Mm-hmm. I didn't put two and two together. It's wild, now. right? Yeah, like, especially around the incarceration. Justice system, I mean, like, fuck, that's a failed system. Yeah. But around incarceration. And I'm sure that the stigmas are similar. Exactly. Because, like, um, I briefly mentioned Dorcas Good, who mm-hmm. was five when she was accused mm-hmm. and ended up in jail with her mother. Mm-hmm. And then she spent the rest of her life severely traumatized, suffering PTSD. I think she died at 18, if I remember correctly, just because of how much she suffered. I'm sure some people suffer similar trauma from being in prison in the States. 100%. No. Yeah. Any, any jail system. Yeah. We know that violence is disproportionate there. We know that, like, the health system within the incarceration system is not equal. And we also know that not everybody is equal within the incarceration systems as well, especially in the U.S. Like, if you have money, then you can, or you, depending on the crime that you commit, you can have a way more lax sentence, as in you're put in a prison that is more cushier than other prisons. Yeah. And then there still is a status barrier right there. Like, it's just wild to me that they're not, there's no difference. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I just, <laughs> one thing just occurred to me. So we have like Tichiba. Yeah. Who, because she was a slave and wasn't able to pay for her sentence, basically, mm-hmm. she stayed in prison for a long time after. And then eventually gets lost in the system, which, yeah. like, yeah, that happens today. And we have All like instances like how cannabis is basically decriminalized everywhere exactly and yet people are still in prison for it Mm -hmm. and it's like why why are systems broken or the bailing system yes with regards to people especially around specifically in canada like we also know there's incarceration around indigenous people are way more highly likely to be incarcerated than another group and like it all is super intricate. Oh, God. These are just, like, sparkly little moments of, like, what's coming to mind. Salem witch trials are as relevant as ever. And they happened yeah. over 300 years ago. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then the uh, the only way that Tichiba was able to get out was there was an unknown person that paid for her bail. Mm. Um, or her release. <laughs> I keep saying bail release, whatever. <laughs> but her for her release. And then they assumed that it would be somebody who is a slave owner who just bought her and bought her husband. That's kind of the same system if you think about it in terms of like needing to buy, like to hire a lawyer, depending on the status of your lawyer and how their connections are with other lawyers. Yeah. Like, let's be honest. Like, I believe. I definitely believe lawyers work hard. Like, I'm not saying that. But we do know that networking and connections really does help with regards to releasing people from prison and or in terms of any sentencing or any charges. Yeah. I mean, we see time and time and time again how many, like, if you have money and can hire good lawyers, plural, let alone a lawyer, that, yeah, you'll just get out of prison then people have to work so hard to get you back in prison for what you've done exactly oh gosh that is just a depressing like open wound sorry no don't worry about it i mean i think that it really just shows it's interesting we talk about cycles in our own life that we learn lessons yeah and um and that especially if we haven't learned our lesson, we'll continue to replay those cycles. And it's very clear now as we continue to like move through history 
that are cycles of what the way that we create in our justice system. We haven't learned from them. We continue to not learn from them. We continue to like live them out and we continue to like support it and it continues to show up generation like it just continues to like show up and it just shows that we're in a cyclical pattern yeah and there's just some things where we as a human society just choose to exist like let certain things exist in our world yeah even though it doesn't serve anyone no me too i don't even know how we can like end this because it feels so open-ended but yeah. I mean that just shows that connecting it to now we're in such an open-ended life like I don't know stage mm-hmm. that it just sometimes it feels really doomful yeah things are obviously complicated now like nothing is ever black and white even if no. we want them to be and that's kind of the case with Tijiba's experience we have these young girls who are kind of using her as a scapegoat to like help make themselves feel better to entertain themselves to escape whatever and then Tichiba is then in turn like casting the blame towards other people as a mode of her own survival exactly and going back to the girls that accused Tichiba or any of these other women like they were disempowered themselves and this is a way for them to try and earn power back or feel like significant in such a way that women weren't viewed as equal and still continue to not be viewed as equal, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, whatever. <laughs> and even with the accused girl, some of them de- then went on to be like, I don't think this is right. So then people would accuse them. And yeah, so many parallels too today. Exactly. Definitely shows like how great things are. Like it always, when you first start reading about the Salem witch trials, it's like, oh, this is concrete. These are the innocent people who are killed. Yeah. These are the accusers. Accusers are bad. Everyone in this town is bad. And then yeah. the, but then we dig deeper and we learn that like George Burroughs, who was one of the victims, may have been abusive towards one of the accusers. And then we have Giles exactly. Corey, who he was accusing people, including his own wife, in order to get land and get money. And yeah. then he was killed by being pressed to death because he knew how law the law worked yeah and we just see all these things like unraveling being like oh it's not as black and white as we thought it's so complex because people are complex exactly and just because you've experienced oppression in some form doesn't mean that you can't oppress others at the same time too yeah and i think that's where that we hold that shame and that's where everybody gets really judgy is like well you can't you couldn't have been oppressed if you oppressed other people yeah let me know that that is the truth like there is both sides of that experience yeah yeah Tichuba is such an interesting individual for like just saying like I, I wish I knew more about her but like after the Salem witch trials she basically vanishes we assume that she was sold back into slavery yeah the next time we see her name anywhere is like it's it's in like some kind of weird sideshow oh, where okay. it's like Tichiba, the world's oldest slave or something weird like old westy and i can't remember what year that's from or whatever and yeah people are like it probably isn't Tichiba, but the fact no. that that's like a reference someone dredged up yeah weird very weird also i had no idea she had a daughter with john indian 
Oh, I didn't husband. know that either. Yeah, I've seen a couple articles now, and yeah, her name, her daughter's name was Violet. I like that name. Yeah, me too. Well, we covered some things today. It's always interesting to explore what the symbol of a witch can mean when it's someone who maybe didn't consider themselves a witch themselves. Mm-hmm. But like Tichuba, in the world of the Salem witch trials, she's definitely this like figurehead now, kind of a an icon of the Salem witch trials where it's like Tichuba. And all this myth is created around her that kind of shapeshifts her into something else. Yeah. So it's interesting to look at people like that who hold the title witch, even though it's not maybe their, something they would have owned. Yeah. <laughs> even yeah. though in a lot of ways she did because she confessed, but maybe it was just like, I crosses her fingers. I am a witch. <laughs> I'm really loving how we have these episodes where like, it's about like a witch and then it just like, the tangents we go on are so interesting and that's, so important also. And that's how I like also just like function. I just talk things out and I'm like, okay, what does this? I think it's so cool. Yeah, like especially when we're talking about people who are oppressed and stuff, like it makes sense to draw those connections and remind ourselves of these connections. Exactly. So thanks for tuning in to this episode about Tichuba. We are now getting all prepared for our October episodes and the month of October for Halloween or Samhain. So if you have any ideas for episodes or things you might like us to talk about, if you have spooky stories you want us to share, let us know. DM us, comment, leave a voice message on anchor.fm. Also coming up on October 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, Coven Collective is having their second annual market, this time digitally, so everyone can partake, can shop with different makers and artists. And we'll also be having some other things as well, including Danielle, she'll be reading tarot. I'm one of the organizers of Coven Collective, so I'll be around for sure. So watch out for that. It's going to be a fun weekend. So until next time, mystical beings... Bye! Bye. <laughs>